Hello there. Uh, hopefully the video is working and you can see me. Uh, I wanted to pop on again and um, chat a little bit about ideology. Um, I'm interested in this subject because it is a word that is central to, um, or maybe not central, but it's one of the important concepts in philosophy and particularly continental philosophy. And uh, it's an important word in political theory. And, uh, but often it's difficult to actually articulate exactly what the word means. Uh, but it's an important word. I think it's got, um, or the thinkers that have explored it have uh, drawn out some important things as a, as a result of it. And so I am going to try to tackle in five points uh, what ideology is. Um, and of course, this is just an introductory video. But in the next 20 or 30 minutes, what I'm hoping is that I'll be able to kind of uh, draw a type of map that at least helps us understand that term a little bit more deeply. Uh, one way of going about this would be just to do a historical survey of the term, how it was used um, originally really with Marx. Uh, although the term is used a little bit before Marx, it's Marx who kind of gives it a systematic definition. And in the German ideology, you know, it becomes a central, a central part of his thinking. So, you know, we could explore how uh, it was originally defined, then how it developed in uh, the work of people like um, uh, Althusser is one of the important figures in the 20th century to really develop the notion of ideology. Uh, and then it, it fell into disrepute. So, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess, I don't know the exact timings, but, you know, we're talking around the 80s and 90s and a lot of political scientists, I think, um, you know, uh, didn't find value in this term, but it's going through a little bit of a renewal at the moment and uh, in political theory, particularly the work of someone like Shizek, uh, ideology is incredibly important. Um, and so if you want to read a little bit more about it after this, there's a book by Terry Eagleton called Ideology. That, that is good. Um, and also uh, arguably Shizek's best book is The Sublime Object of Ideology. And it's a fantastic work. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd recommend that. That, I think, was the book that launched him uh, in the English-speaking world. Uh, that was the book. It might have been his, the first book he wrote in English. And um, it was the book that kind of, like, uh, launched his career. So check those out. Um, what I want to do is I'm going to give five points. Uh, the third point is probably the most important. Actually, it is. It is the planet around which the other points uh, revolve. So I'll do two at the top end, I'll do the third point and I'll do two after it. Uh, and then one other thing to mention is that uh, as I was just thinking about what I was going to say, I realised that as I was thinking it through, my fifth point kind of sounds like a contradiction of the first point. So I'll try and talk about that as well. And the reason for that is partly because the first point I want to make about ideology is kind of how the term was initially understood. And, you know, as I develop the points, um, we'll kind of not, not move away from that initial first definition, but it'll become more complex, it'll uh, widen and it will deepen, and we'll end up somewhere a little different. 
So what is point number one? Also, I've got some water here because it is roasting. Uh, I'm in LA and oh my goodness, it's just crazy hot. Although this is mostly ice. Mm. All right. So the, fir the first point is the most basic. And that is that ideology can be thought of as a system of thought or a worldview that covers over the material conditions that shape and reshape our world. So ideology is a worldview, a way of thinking that covers over the material reality that forms and reforms our material existence. Now what I mean by that is when, when Marx looked, developed this, he was thinking primarily in terms of the philosopher Hegel. Uh, Hegel is one of the greatest uh, philosophers. And Marx's reading of Hegel was one in which uh, the, the unfolding of cosmic history is reason. Uh, the universe is reason coming to understand itself. So you can think of people as we are the universe perceiving itself. So weirdly, like, it's almost like there's a teleological dimension to cosmic history that is lurching towards over billions of years uh, the manifestation of self-awareness. That's kind of like, in a sense, the, the universal history almost like a, like a child, you know, a child is born and then there's consciousness and consciousness becomes self-consciousness. So the universe, in a sense, is born and it, it, it is moving very gradually towards self-awareness, um, an understanding of itself. And the real is rational, the rational is real for Hegel. And Marx, who is very influenced by Hegel and a lot of Marx's writings, uh, use Hegel's dialectic. But uh, Marx's main problem is he says that Hegel needs to be put back on his feet. Uh, Hegel is thinking that the universe, in a sense, is this, is this grand uh, revealing of, of the mind, when really the universe is a material reality and what influences us is material circumstances, history, uh, cosmic history and social history. Uh, resources um, and an ideology can cover over that that reality so in some respects you could say that you know evolutionary theory was a critique of ideology in that uh, evolutionary biology was attempting to show that uh, all the complexity and the order that we see in the animal kingdom um, it can actually be explained through a whole pile of material uh, forces and realities. Okay, so that's, that's the first point. Um, is there anything else I want to say about that? Oh yeah, I mean, if you want to take a contemporary example of ideology then, uh, in a kind of more new age way, uh, it's the secret. So the secret is a type of ideology because it's all about the idea, you know, that the, w the way you think is what controls and influences the world. So whether there's a cosmic mind uh, or your, it's your individual mind, the material world is shaped by, by the way we think. Um, and this kind of covers over the, uh, 
historical reasons why some of us have money and some of us don't, some of us have power, some of us don't. So it kind of like, it covers over all of these historical material reasons for inequalities and violence and problems that all societies face. And um, it kind of like says it, that uh, we can think our way out of it. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and that the universe is kind of in a sense, uh, influenced by and controlled by the mind. And of course in theology, God is this, the ultimate ideology then, is that, that there's an ultimate mind behind everything. Uh, in theology, it's called theodicy. Uh, the justification uh, intellectually of the material problems that we see in the world. Um, then following on from that, and this is a second point, uh, and this is very connected with the original definition of, of ideology, is that ideology justifies the world in its contradictions and its conflicts and its violence. And by justifying it, in a sense, again, it's like a theodicy. It gives a reason for everything that we see. Uh, and again, coming back to the example of, uh, uh, what was the example? Oh yeah, the secret. You know, the secret is like, if you're suffering, if your life isn't going well, it's because in a sense, at some unconscious level, that's what you want. Uh, your mind, your thoughts, the stuff, your energy, the things that you're putting out into the world are manifesting themselves in the way you actually live. And if good things are happening to you, it's because you are manifesting these thoughts, conscious and unconscious. Uh, they are becoming manifest in the way you, the way you live. Uh, and so there's something inherently conservative about ideology in that ideologies or systems of thought that explain the status quo, that interpret the world, that help us make sense of why things are happening rather than changing the world. Uh, that's why you know, Marx famously said in his uh, you know, uh, thesis on Feuerbach, the, the point is not to interpret the world, the point is to change it. So again, he's thinking about this, what he feels is um, an inherently conservative dimension to ideology, which covers over material facts that influence how we live and the conflicts that we see in the world, and that kind of justifies any theory that, that to a greater or lesser extent says, the rich man in his castle, the poor man at his gate, God made them high and lowly and ordered their estate, which is a uh, that's a line from the hymn, All Things Bright and Beautiful, that was kind of taken out of it actually. But, so it's the idea that this is, it's, it's the pagan universe of balance and order, and this, this is the best of all possible worlds. Okay, now we get into the more interesting stuff. Uh, the third dimension to ideology, uh, and I got this from Todd McGowan um, uh, in his uh, Why Theory uh, podcast. Uh, which is you know a really good podcast. I'd recommend it. Um, and in that uh, podcast, uh, uh, him and his host, co-host, they do a, 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 an episode on ideology. And McGowan defines ideology as a way of thinking that covers over the antagonisms and the tensions within reality. 
Okay, so this, this gets us to the core, I think, of what I, how to think about ideology. Is ideology attempts to mask and obscure the contradictions that occur in everyday life, uh, primarily in social life, um, but also in, in, um, in uh, ontologically and actually life itself. But let's talk about social life. Now, this can also kind of get us to the core of the difference between analytic philosophy and continental philosophy. But I don't want to go too far in that direction because then we'll go down a rabbit hole. But um, in a sense, analytic philosophy often treats things as, as problems, right? And a problem is something you can solve. So you look at the world and you see problems and then you try to resolve them. But in continental philosophy, there is this notion that fundamentally the universe has parallax. And a parallax is in a sense a contradiction, uh, or a series of contradictions that are in the world that arise out of changes in perspective. So, you know, a problem can be resolved, a parallax can't. It has to be navigated, it has to be tarried with, it has to be uh, marked, uh, taken into consideration, but it cannot be crunched. So obviously in physics, you have the example of a wave, a particle that acts as a wave, or acts as, uh, sorry, uh, uh, the wave particle duality, you know, where, where, where in, depending on, you know, the slit experiment, I'm explaining it very, very badly, but you fire an atom, and um, depending on uh, whether you observe it or not, it acts like a particle or acts like a wave. Uh, so this is a type of parallax reality that can't be crunched, um, can't, can't be dissipated. Uh, now, it is crunched into a position when you observe it, but there is this undecidability. And um, analytic philosophy, as I say, is more interested in the world as you know, a, a set of problems. And continental philosophy is interested in this notion of parallax. And in ideology, uh, I'll, I'll give you a few examples of how it works. Take law. So what is the law? Um, at its most basic, law is a particular instantiation of universal principles. Right? So the law is particular because it's written in a certain language, in a certain country, with a certain set of experiences. Right? So it's particular to a context. But laws are attempting to be universal, just like a natural law is something that you know takes place anywhere in the universe, right? So um, a human law is technically applicable to anybody, right? Now it never is. Uh, every time you write the law, it's not quite universal. That's why the law always needs to be rewritten and and. Renavigated, but that's the that's the kind of the ideal of the law. It is a particular instantiation of a universal. All people have the right to X. No people should experience Y. Right? No matter how powerful you are or how powerless, you know you're you you're under the law. Very key in America. You know it doesn't matter if you're the uh, the president uh, or if you um, have no money and you have no job. You are both under the law. Um, and uh, so that, that, that's the idea of the law, of the legal system. Now, as an aside to that, there are times when the law doesn't reflect that at all. Um, and so 
if I can remember, we'll maybe come back to to how to um, how to define that. But at its ideal, the law is trying to be this universal thing. However, in practice, the law is full of tensions and contradictions. And you know, in society, very simply, like if you're if you're a wealthy uh, business person in on Wall Street and you get caught uh, taking cocaine, you will likely be treated differently than if you um, are come from a low income and you're caught with cocaine. Or if you're a student and you're smoking marijuana in a, in a state that's it's not legal, you will likely be treated differently than if again you're from a low income area, uh, you might end up in prison. So what happens is, in reality, there are all of these contradictions and tensions within the law as it's practiced. And ideology is designed to cover that over so that we don't see it, so that we don't experience the contradictions that exist within society. Um, I'll take another couple of examples. There was a poster that caused um, like a lot of controversy, I think it was a couple of years ago in the London Underground. And it was in the summer, it was one of those adverts, you know, are you beach body ready? And it had a woman uh, in a bikini, uh, like very, very thin. And the controversy was, as you can imagine, it was like, well, you know, this is this body shaming. You know, you're saying that everybody in the underground, this is the body that you should have, right? Now, the interesting thing, of course, is that message is everywhere. Right? It's in every woman's magazine and it's in every man's magazine. Right? Every, you go into any supermarket and that tension is in most of the images you see in the magazine or at least on the front page. Right? But we don't see it. Right? We just don't see it. Now, interestingly, what that advert did by accident is it kind of made clear the ideological fiction that we paint over the world. Now, I'm not saying anything about, you know, about, about the issue itself, just that there is a tension there. There is a tension in our society between certain kind of bodies, male and female, that, that we kind of put up as an ideal, and also um, the tension with kind of like, is that ideal damaging to us, and is it causing certain anxieties and uh, problems within society, right? So there's, there's a tension, there's a parallax, that, that needs to be navigated, that needs to maybe be thought through in an, uh, in an intelligent way, but we don't even see it. We're wearing these glasses that mean that we don't, we don't see the inherent antagonism within the image itself. Uh, I have, oh, and even think about um, Donald Trump is an interesting example, that in some ways he's doing the same thing. Like we all know um, that the political system, you know, behind all of its clean suits and all these people who are acting as if they're dispassionate or whatever, that, you know, that a lot of the, the, the legal system or the political system is in the, um, uh, or is heavily influenced by, you know, corporations, by money. Uh, there's a lot of uh, manipulation that goes on. There, there is a lot of, con there's a lot of inherent oppressions that are happening, but um, we don't see them. But interestingly, one of the things that, that happened when Trump uh, became president is that he exposed it, <laughs> um, not meaning to, uh, but just the, uh, 
you know, the, the rants on Twitter and the, and the various things is a kind of, in a sense, just in one sense, showed the truth. <laughs> and, and one of the difficulties is we don't want to see the truth. What we would want is we want to get back to the image, say, of the man or the woman in the magazine, that although the tension is there, we don't see it. We want to get back to a politician that looks and acts like a politician. And then we probably don't care as much. Because without getting too political, some of the things that we attack the current administration about were being done by the previous administration. Um, but we didn't care. Uh, because, of course, the, the previous administration was, you know, there's a whole pile of factors, but one thing, it, it was a lot more civilised and polite, and um, the tensions may be less obvious, but now the tensions are more difficult to ignore. Um, and, uh, you know, the danger is we find a way to, you know, ideology reigns and we, you know, don't see the tensions, the contradictions and the violence. That, that can be going on within the wider political system, regardless of who um, is on the throne. Um, okay, so number four, what do I want to say, number four? Oh yeah, number four, ideology also helps us enjoy our suffering. Um, in other words, ideology gives us a reason for the problems within our society, the problems that affect us all, um, you know, they may affect you doubly because you have no money, you have no security, um, you live in an area that is violent, um, that breeds violence, that has you know, lack of good healthcare or education or whatever it is. Or you could be winning and you're still losing. So you're not losing doubly, but you're still losing, i.e. you're giving yourself a heart attack through working too hard, panic attacks, anxiety, always trying to compete to have more and more and more, which is driving you to insanity. So, you know, there's the losers who lose and then there's the losers who lose doubly. Um, but ideology enables us to enjoy our suffering, to not see it to mask it and in some respects it sounds weird when you first say it but having an explanation is better than having no explanation some people would rather think for example that the terrible things are happening to them because god wants it to happen than these terrible things are happening and there is no reason for them right that's that's even more terrifying <laughs> and so ideology gives us an explanation for the difficulties in society, it interprets them for us, it helps us understand why things are difficult, and you know, we can uh, blame the side, it's like, oh, yeah, that's the way it is, it's really annoying, I'm angry about it, but, but in one sense, you're justified in your anger. So you, you can enjoy, instead of trying to change your world, you can find a way to live within it. And then that brings me to number five, which is ideology grafts us into the world. So ideology is, is a way to integrate an individual into a certain social reality, uh, often a very difficult social reality. Um, now I'm saying this because originally ideology was thought of as that which covered over reality. 
So, you know, it, like the, the film They Live, Shizek talks about it. If you've ever seen it, it's a brilliant movie. Um, and it's a guy who gets these glasses. And he puts these glasses on and he realizes that there is an alien race uh, inhabiting the earth. And behind every billboard, there are, there are things like um, obey, consume more, think less. And every dollar bill has a secret message on it that you can see when you have the glasses. And so the original notion of ideology is, you know, it, it's the glasses we wear that, or sorry, well, with they live, it's like not having the glasses. It's, it's we, ideology prevents us from seeing the truth um, that's, that's all around us. But uh, a better way of thinking about it is that, is that actually ideology grafts you into the world but by giving you some sort of phantasmic element. So for the fascist, for example, the fascist in Nazi Germany, um, they understood that there were all sorts of material problems and material tensions. And they understood that there was, there was a, a financial crisis. Uh, there were no jobs, money wasn't worth anything. All of those things, they fully knew that. But the figure of the Jew was the one who enabled them to understand the situation, to, to kind of like tolerate it, to have an interpretive lens through which they kind of go, this is the reason for it, to put the blame onto the other. And so ideology in a sense does that. It, it can help you live within reality, but by giving you some element that, that prevents you from seeing the truth of the horror of it, to be able to actually make a real change within it. So to go through those five again, just very simply, you think that whenever someone uses the term ideology, ideology is that which um, can cover over the material conditions that shape the world. Uh, it justifies the world as it is. It covers over and obscures the inherent tensions and paradoxes and antagonisms that exist within our social world. Uh, it helps us enjoy the suffering that we experience within social reality. Rather than trying to change it, we find a way of trying to, in some minimal way, get pleasure out of it. But that pleasure is minimal. And lastly, it grafts us into the world so that we are more uh, connected to it uh, and less likely to try to change it. So there, there's an uh, initial attempt to give a definition of ideology. Uh, I hope that, that helped um, uh, and I hope it didn't actually just make it even more strange and obscure than last time. I actually see there's a comment. Oh, it disappeared. I don't know how to do the comments yet. So uh, that's the next thing I'm going to learn on these YouTube videos. Uh, if you like this stuff and you like what I'm doing here, uh, do feel free to visit me at uh, parotheology.com that will take you to my Patreon page and consider supporting me there. That allows me to do more of these videos. Or if you don't support me, just support some uh, artists or musicians or writers that you like. I think it's great You know, if you give maybe $5 a month to three people you, you like um, or three bucks a month, just buy them a coffee once a month. Um, and. Uh, they will definitely appreciate it and um, you know, it'll really help them continue to do what they do. So anyway, thanks very much for tuning in and I'll uh, talk to you all again soon. Goodbye.